happy, happy to see you all here, dear friends. There was one time when Venerable Ananda, who was the Buddha's cousin and also his uh, personal attendant, he went to visit uh, Venerable Sariputta, who was a very distinguished disciple of the Buddha and known for, for his wisdom. And on coming to him, Venerable greeted him courteously and he sat uh, on one side and asked him, Friend Sariputta, what is the reason, what is the cause why certain beings in this world are not fully set free in this very life? What is the reason, what is the cause why certain beings in this world are not fully set free in this very life? And Venerable Sariputta replied, In this matter, friend Ananda, beings do not understand as it really is. This perception is conducive to decline, to suffering. They do not understand as it really is. This other perception is conducive to understanding. This, friend, is the reason. This is the cause why some beings in this world are not fully set free in this very life. So, on this retreat this weekend, we are onto something radically liberating. Practicing perceptions that bring freedom. Understanding which ones, which views, which ways of looking, which perceptions bring freedom and which ones don't. And they bring freedom through understanding, through penetration. But they are practices and as such, they need repeating, they need practicing. So how do we practice in our lives? How do we bring these practices? We have um, Nathan uh, described this retreat is very intense. We, we packed up a lot and these need um, to be practiced over over uh, time in our lives to bring a deeper and deeper understanding, deeper and deeper freedom. And if we choose to explore this in our lives, we need to understand um, how best uh, they fit um, in the whole of our path. And we need to be intentional, purposeful, and appropriate. 
So we don't apply these views indiscriminately. Uh, for example, when I first started practicing with these three ways of looking, I did it precisely in daily life. And in my formal daily practice as well. And I remember the second meeting I had with my teacher, Rob Burbea. I reported applying the view, the way of looking, unsatisfactory, the dukkha, unsatisfactory lens to everything, all the time, all day long. And he said to me, no, no, no. <laughs> With these ways of looking, one wants to apply and see the effect. And then not apply and see the difference. So we want to be intentional, purposeful. And it's important um, when applying this way of looking outside of the meditation practice, but also in our meditation practice, to choose experiences that aren't too difficult. We are practicing these muscles, these ways of looking. We can see them as muscles that we are training. The anicca, the allowing, the welcoming, the unsatisfactory, the not me, not mine. We want to apply this when the waters are calm so that we can practice, we can build, we can build these muscles. So we want to be intentional, purposeful, choosing when we're applying and we want to be appropriate. And being appropriate is about the context. So in any given moment, we have different gears we can choose from. So sometimes it's appropriate, it's the right context to apply one of these ways of looking and sometimes we need to put them down. Choose another way of looking. So, for example, uh, with the Nietzsche way of looking, if there is a, an action, an unwholesome action, um, we did something and then realized it wasn't so beneficial. Rather than judging ourselves as if this is me and um, this is going to be like this forever, Realizing this is not fixed, we can change that behavior, conditions can change. So we can um, see this unwholesome action as anicca. On the other hand, when there is joy, for instance, that comes from appreciating beauty, let's say, we're looking at a flower. I went for a walk um, last Friday before the start of the retreat. And I was seeing 
all over the green fields. These tiny small spring flowers starting to bloom. And it was all these colors and white and blue and pink and yellow over the fields and on the sides in the forest, on the side of the path. And I was really enjoying, really enjoying, really taking it in and in taking in the joy of appreciating that beauty. So lovely things, we can appreciate them and they will nourish joy. So that might not be the time to turn on the lens of Anicca on. Yes, we know the flowers bloom and then they die and they're impermanent. Yes. But what's, what gear do we want to use there? What's most appropriate? What's going to be most nourishing and conducive for us? We, and as we develop joy, maybe there's, in, in meditation, maybe there's some well-being and samadhi. And we also want to enjoy that and appreciate and uh, nurture, nourish that. That may not be also the time to turn on the Anicca lens. Another example is that someone broke um, an object, a kind of a vase, um, uh, at my place. It was um, belonged to me. It had been offered to me by a very special friend. And there were emotions that came up with um, that accident, this... There was some irritation that came up, some anger, there was sadness. I could see it as Anicca, but in that moment there were these emotions that needed to come through and maybe welcomed with compassion. So different gears, different gears. The Dharma offers different ways of looking that we can draw on. And sometimes when there is contraction, we can notice the dukkha, we can notice unsatisfactory, this cannot fulfill me, this experience, this uh, sensation, this sight. And sometimes it may not be very helpful if... um, a certain contraction will actually prevent an accident from happening. And we need need that. Maybe that's not the right time to release uh, release the contraction. So really turning on the lens, dukkha, unsatisfactory, as long as it releases the grip, the gripping, the clinging, the hanging on to. Relaxing the contraction, allowing or allowing or welcoming. And not with the most difficult experience I'm going through. Really finding small, 
minor push and pulls, small dukkha. I have a slight pain or I'd like something to be slightly different. The weather is not so nice today. Feeling the contraction and relaxing with the small, small dukkha. We're not trying to resolve our problems with this. This is about practicing. So we apply it to experience and we notice the response. We notice the release. We notice the ease. And this is really important, noticing. Is there a release of the push-pull? Is there a release, an ease, a relief that comes? Really important. And we, know, we may notice also when we release the contraction, when we notice release, the relief that comes into the being, we may notice the sense of self also relaxes. We somehow need this contraction to build the self around. And the other way around also works as we release identification with the practice, with the anatta practice, not me, not mine, using this lens, the contraction relaxes. The contraction relaxes and less dukkha, less clinging. So we're applying the not-self, the anatta, as a strategy to release the clinging and seeing how the self is built and stopping feeding that building process that brings the dukkha. And it's really important also to um, tune into what's appropriate, when to apply the not-self strategy. Uh, can also be very important. When is it bringing release of clinging, less contraction, relief? And sometimes it is important to have a strong sense of self, to build a certain sense of self. And as we begin to understand how we build the self and how we can release the sense of self, we become more skillful and we can pick up and choose to bring a certain, to build a certain sense of self. And uh, Tanisaru Biko, for instance, that uh, Nathan has uh, spoken about, He's also known as Tan Ajahn Jeff uh, by his students. He speaks about building strong self-confidence. So in that building of strong self-confidence, there is a building of a sense of self. That self-confidence that comes from, um, that is built around ethical behavior that is built around generosity as we practice with the precepts, as we practice with generosity, 
with giving. We build an identity, a self-identity around that. And that's helpful. That's a helpful uh, sense of self that will be very important for the path. It will be important for practice, for persistence, for patience, for determination. And as we become more sensitive to the way we built that particular sense of self, we will also notice, in comparison with other senses of self, that it is less contracted. It is lighter. It is more free. So this speaks to a way in which these teachings can radically change the way we engage with the world. We can ask ourselves the questions, what's our place in this world? What's my place in this world? What's my responsibility? Where does the world need my individuality? Maybe in contribution to urgent issues in the world like climate change. If we are flexible to play, to play with the view of self, we can choose one, one sense of self which is more powerful, compassionate, that can act out of compassion for all beings. For instance, as we engage in climate activism, taking action, having values that we're ready to defend, maybe building around a group identity that is defending those values and acting to bring them to fruition in this world for the benefit of all. So the self that I build will influence how I engage with the end of suffering. How we identify with freedom or even with suffering. Maybe we can open up the view. If today I'm feeling grief, it may be personal, maybe I see it as my grief, or it may be just larger than just mine. Maybe could I see this as not belonging to me, as being the grief of all beings? So the way we engage with dukkha, with this grief, and with freedom, is it my freedom I'm practicing towards right now? Or is it the freedom of all beings? All of that, all of that will influence, have a result in how we engage in the practice. 
how we show up to our practice and how we show up in the world. So there's these different lenses, these different gears that we have in the Dharma. We're training, we're training this weekend in ways of looking that liberate. And whichever lens we're using to look at experience and practicing with, anicca, impermanence, dukkha, or anatta, there is one lens that I believe uh, we need to have as a basis. And that is the lens of metta. That is the lens of metta. If we use the lens of anicca because we don't like an experience, then we're reinforcing a version. We're reinforcing a version. If um, we're using uh, anatta lens not to take responsibility for something, an action, or to disconnect from a difficult emotion, then we're reinforcing this connection. We're reinforcing aversion. So metta as, as the basis, metta as the ground in, with which we practice. And metta also builds less self. It softens the comparing mind. It equalizes self and other. So metta not only supports these other ways of looking as a basis we're, we're practicing from, but it also allows for discernment when is the time to apply this way of looking? When is the time? When is it appropriate? When is it appropriate? So it's about being intentional, purposeful, and appropriate. And the other role of metta, as we practice with, uh, especially with the anatta practice, that would be um, quite crucial, would be to explore, as we engage in these practices, do we know what it really means to look after oneself, to care for oneself deeply. So we're picking up, we're picking up a view, we're picking up a way of looking through anatta, not me, not mine. And with metta, do we know how to hold ourselves dear as well? 
Do we know how to hold ourselves there? Very important part of the path. So we want to um, be appropriate, we want to be purposeful, we want to really see, is this way of looking bringing freedom? Is this way of looking bringing release? Noticing that, noticing the relief that comes from applying these ways of looking is very, very valuable. Not only because of the relief itself, which is very nice, when we have um, some contraction and some release, some peace, some lightness, some spaciousness comes in. Wonderful. And we're also doing it for the understanding that it brings. The understanding that deepens as a result of seeing that relief. Of seeing that relief. And that is that we learn about fabrication. We learn about fabrication. We learn to see how experience is fabricated through clinging. As we notice the relief, as we notice the release from clinging, we notice what happens to the sense of self and what happens to the thing itself that seemed to be a problem, this solid, real thing. This solid contraction. What happens to the experience of self? What happens to the thing itself when clinging is released? So we're relaxing the world of perception that builds suffering and we are seeing how that dukkha how that suffering how those things and how the self is created and seen as real as a result of the mental activity the clinging that produces it So, by seeing how the world is built, by seeing the world being constructed in this way, we understand the emptiness of the world. We understand that things are not as we, as they appear to be. So I would like to end these reflections with a verse, and this is a verse from the Terigata, which are the verses of the awakened nuns from, from the time of the Buddha, 
And these verses usually describe um, some crucial moment in the lives of those nuns when there was understanding that came up and there was some, some release. And they are beautiful, beautiful verses. So I'll read one. And each verse is named after the nun that um, pronounced the verse. So this verse is from Wangisa. Wangisa. And it goes like this. I burn with lust, my mind on fire. Please, Master Gotama. Master Gotama is how the Buddha was, was called. Please, Master Gotama, show compassion. How do I put it out? I burn with lust, my mind on fire. Please, Master Gotama, show compassion. How do I put it out? Warped perceptions are what keep your mind on fire. See through the glamour igniting lust. See all compounded things as other, unappealing, not self. Let your mountainous lust be cold of the endless burning. So let us let us sit in silence for a few moments to let the words settle. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.